biggest winners and losers of the Tyler Mott for Julian Gauthier trade. We're going to be taking a deeper look at this deal here in today's episode. Going to be talking about why Tyler Mott was an ideal pickup for the Rangers, as well as why it just never really quite seemed to work out with Julian Gauthier. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 776 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we're going to start with Tyler Mott, work our way to Julian Gauthier and discuss, you know, uh, why it just never really worked out here, but also kind of wish him well with the Ottawa Senators. And obviously, uh, each player has now played one game with their new team. Of course, with Mott, this is his second tenure with the New York Rangers. And that kind of leads me into the first thing that I wanted to talk about here. With Tyler Mott, what you see is what you get. If you're expecting some kind of like an offensive explosion, it's just not going to happen. I mean, he'll contribute offensively from time to time. But, you know, we've talked about him quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, I love the pickup last year. He did a great job for the team last year. He was out there in free agency forever. I think a lot of us were kind of holding out hope that the Rangers might find a way to bring back Tyler Mott. And, you know, I saw on a recent episode a couple of different comments of, you know, the salary cap prevented the Rangers from doing that. And yes, that is absolutely true. But it is crazy to think that, like, you know, the Rangers could have re-signed Tyler Mott last offseason had they just been able to trade either Ryan Reeves or Semi Blay, both of whom made more this season, or I guess are still making more this season than Tyler Mott is. And, you know, hindsight's always 20-20. I get that. But you look at what happened here. Uh, Ryan Reeves got traded by the Rangers to Minnesota uh, for just a fifth-round pick. That was after the Rangers had scratched him like 10 times in 11 games, something, you know, in that vicinity. And then uh, with Sammy Blay, you know, he was basically just a, a salary dump, a, a roster spot dump, call it whatever you want to call it. But uh, he was sent back to St. Louis in the trade for Tarasenko, uh, mostly as a way to just kind of open up some space here. So it's crazy to think, you know, really how easily— uh, it would have been, and again, hindsight 2020, but how easily the Rangers, you know, just by making one of those two moves in the offseason, could have uh, brought back Tyler Mott. But this is probably the next best thing. They go out and they get him. And like I see, you know what you're what you should expect. I mean, there's, he's going to come up with some gritty play. He's going to hit uh, someone who's always going to pressure the puck, someone who is going to play every shift like it's his last. Uh, just a complete pest, uh, a pain in the butt to play against. And, uh, you know, again, the, the scoring is going to be minimal, but uh, when he does come through on the score sheet, which he almost did, by the way, in his first game back with the Rangers against the Jets, almost got a dirty goal. But when he does come through on the score sheet, it's not exactly a shock when it happens. And, you know, one other thing that I want to throw out there is at some point, I don't think Jake LeCision is still going to be on this team. I mean, he could be waived or whatever the case might be. Maybe they offload him in a trade as well. But you could end up in a situation, depending on what else the Rangers do at the deadline, where you have a fourth line left to right of, I mean, I, I assume you would put Mott at left wing, Goodrow at center, and VZ on right wing. And I know the Rangers uh, prefer Barkley Goodrow on the wing as opposed to center, but if that was your fourth line, I mean, that's the shutdown, lockdown, 
type of fourth line that I think all of us have kind of been looking for this season. You know, we, we've cycled through all these different players, uh, whether it's Carpenter or whether it's currently LeCision or you know, Dryden Hunt was on this team at the start of the season, which feels like it happened about 10 years ago. Uh, Ryan Reeves is obviously here. There's been a bunch of other guys as well, Sammy Blay. Um, but if you can go with that as your fourth line, depending on, you know, who else is in the lineup, that's a heck of a fourth line. I mean, show me a team around this league uh, that would be able to match the Rangers there or would be better than the Rangers uh, on the fourth line. Maybe that team exists, but off the top of my head, I, I certainly can't think of one. Something else I wanted to talk about uh, as it pertained to Tyler Mott, though, uh, and it's an aspect of this trade that we have not yet covered, and that's could the Rangers, would the Rangers, should the Rangers look to re-sign him after this season? And I think doing that would be pretty tough. And I, I know at first glance, you know, you can kind of compare it to what happened with Jimmy Vesey and even what happened with Ben Harper. Both of those players in camp on PTOs and, uh, you know, they end up playing well enough to earn themselves two-year extensions past this season uh, with the New York Rangers. And I know there's, on social media, some comparisons being made there. Well, you know, hey, just, just lock yourself up, do an extension with the Rangers, stay here for another two years. But here's the difference. So the minimum salary next year it, right now it's 750k. Next year it'll be 775. And VZ, when he signed his two-year extension, uh, it was for 800k a year. So just a shade, just 25k above the league minimum. And Ben Harper, even less than that. It was a two-year extension at 787,500 dollars a year. Tyler Mott this past offseason signed a one-year deal at 1.35 million dollars, and I'm going to assume he wants both more years as well as more dollars on his next contract, because as much as he's excited to be back with the New York Rangers, it's not like he's making crazy money, uh, especially when you compare it to, uh, you know, some of his peers, some of his teammates, and I just get the feeling that, you know, Tyler Ma, and this is probably true of just about every player in the NHL, not all, you know, you don't want to paint with too wide of a brush, but I get the feeling Ma and the vast majority of players in the league don't want to be on one-year contracts from now until the end of time. They want some security. I mean, I just mentioned VZ and Harper. Think of how happy the two of them were to sign those two-year extensions uh, with the New York Rangers. So I would imagine it would be something similar with Tyler Ma. I feel like he should be able to get himself a two-year deal, maybe even a three-year deal if the average annual value comes down a little bit. But again, he, he's just not going to want to keep taking one-year deal after one-year deal after one-year deal. And the problem, again, with VZ and Harper, they're just a shade over the league minimum. With Tyler Ma, he's making $1.35 million this season. I would imagine that he will look for a raise and probably will get at least a little bit of a raise. And you might hear that and think like, yeah, whatever, just do it. You know, give Tyler Mott two years after this year at, say, $1.5 million per season. That might be enough to get it done, and it might be enough to get Tyler Mott to sign on the dotted line. The problem, though, is that the Rangers, you know, when it, when it comes to filling out the, the bottom spots on their roster, and Tyler Mott, I know how much we all love him, but he is a fourth-line player, they're looking for guys that, they, that can be had on the cheap. You know, Harper and VZ are just two examples of that. I know Harper's a defenseman, but you get the idea. And if they were to sign Tyler Ma at $1.5 million a year for, say, the next two seasons, well, think of how many different young players have their contracts coming up this year and next year. I mean, this year, the big three, uh, Miller, Hedl, and Lafreniere, the season after this, you've got guys like Kako and Lindgren and Braden Schneider. You cannot afford to lose one of those players or have to trade one of those players when you don't really want to do that because you're paying Tyler Mott a little bit too much money. And this comes from one of the biggest Tyler Mott fans uh, that 
exists in the Ranger fandom. I'm just a huge fan of his game. And no joke, if he does sign a two-year extension with the Rangers, that will be my next New York Ranger jersey. I really believe that. Uh, I'll go out and make that happen. But um, yeah, it, it's one of those things, the business side of it, it has to be taken into consideration here. If Mott was willing to go down as low as like 800K a season or 900K a season, then I, I think, you know, the Rangers would re-sign him for two years. But why would he want to do that? You know, he he's not deciding between, you know, a $15 million offer and a $14.7 million offer. I mean, he's not making that much, especially when you compare it to the other players in the league, players in that situation. A lot of times they're going to take uh, the best offer that they can find. And I certainly would not begrudge Tyler Mott uh, if he did that. So uh, bottom line, will he be back next season? Will he be back with the Rangers on a new contract? I'm not going to rule it out. And I, I don't mean to upset Ranger fans, but if I had to uh, place a bet on this, I would say probably not. I, I think he probably walks in free agency again. But the good news is maybe he signs another one-year deal somewhere and the Rangers trade for him again, three seasons in a row. That'd be uh, pretty wild to think about. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll cross that bridge when he when we get to it. And in the meantime, you just hope that Tyler Mock can go out there, do his thing, and uh, make a positive impact on this Ranger team for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs, which I think uh, he certainly will as he did last season. But we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. Got to talk a little bit about Julian Gauthier, kind of uh, bid him farewell, wish him well in Ottawa, and uh, we're going to get to that in just a second. But first, got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Fa- the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now, keep everything moving here. I want to shift our attention to Julian Gauthier, obviously acquired by the Rangers in a trade several years ago. And I mean, look, it just didn't work out. I don't know how to summarize it any better than that. He had some chances, maybe not quite as many as certain fans were, were calling for, but uh, I thought he had his opportunity. And, you know, when they acquired him, I thought he had kind of an interesting blend of uh, speed and size. That's the one thing that I've always uh, kind of, um, when, when I'm speaking, you know, favorably of Julian Gauthier, that's kind of my go-to thing uh, that I'll point to is, you know, that kind of size, that kind of speed. I mean, you see both, but it's rare where the same player, you know, has both of them in the excess that Julian Gauthier does. Uh, six foot four, 225 pounds, and he can move. And to kind of take everybody back to when the Rangers first acquired him, uh, the Rangers sent defenseman Joey Keane to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Gauthier. Keane was a third-round defenseman taken by the Rangers. Gauthier was a former first-rounder by the Carolina Hurricanes. And, you know, say what you will about Gauthier and that there's people that like him. There's people that, you know, were probably glad to see him traded. But the Rangers won that trade. 
I mean, Gautier didn't have like enormous contributions with the team, but played in over 100 games. And uh, Joey Keane, he's back in the KHL now after playing only uh, two NHL games with the Carolina Hurricanes over the past couple of seasons here. So the Rangers won the trade. And with Gautier, you know, Keane, he's, he's out of the league right now. With Gautier, I mean, I, I don't think he's in any danger of falling out of the league. I'm not sure he'll ever live up to being the first-round draft pick that he was, but, you know, I think he'll have his role somewhere around this league, and obviously he's getting his chance now with the Senators. Um, with Gautier, I always felt like his biggest flaw was just the lack of finish, and there was no clearer, more obvious example of that than by the fact that he would never, ever score on a breakaway. Now, he... I don't mean that literally. I mean, it happened every once in a very blue moon, and I think he ended up with two breakaway goals this season. He had that one highlight real goal in Dallas, which I'm not even sure if you would count that as a breakaway, but it was uh, beautiful nevertheless, and he split the defenseman and got by them. Uh, goalie came out, made like a sliding save. Gautier found the puck in the corner, shot it into the net. Uh, highlight real stuff right there, and you know he gave you those flashes every now and then, but... Uh, it's like he would get these breakaways and he would kind of veer to the net, you know, from along the boards at a 45 degree angle. And he just didn't know what to do. Like so many times he wouldn't even end up getting a, sh a shot off because eventually he'd hold the puck for so long and try to skate it across the crease that sooner or later, one of the defensemen is going to gain ground and they're going to be on him and they're going to body him. And uh, there were so many times there where it's, it's almost like he was trying to shove the puck through the goalie's pads, which uh, is not very often going to work. So, uh, yeah, he just, just snake-bitten to a degree. Um, scored every once in a while on the breakaways, but not nearly as often as you would like to see somebody, um, you know, a former first-round draft pick and, and somebody with, you know, some size and some skill. He didn't convert on nearly enough of those, I don't think. Uh, the big debate among Ranger fans, did Gautier get a fair shake? Did he get enough opportunities? For the most part, I would have to say yes. He got 131 games with the New York Rangers. That's not what I would call a small amount. I mean, it's basically more than a season and a half. It's not an enormous amount. It's not like it's five seasons worth of games, but that's a good chunk of games right there. If you can't show what you can do and you can't force the issue and you can't force your way uh, to becoming a permanent fixture in the top nine uh, after 131 games, then I think it's partially on you. And I don't think it was like a lack of effort or anything like that from Gautier. He just was not able uh, to take advantage of the opportunities that he was given. He actually never got more than nine points in a season. That's actually how many points he has right now. He's played the 40 games with the Rangers, uh, one point less game in uh, in Ottawa as well. Uh, so 41 games, he's got nine points this season and nine points is the highest total of his career. Um, in 2020-2021, Gautier had eight points in 30 games with the Rangers. The year after that really fell off, seven points in 49 games. So you're looking at one point for every seven games played. And uh, once again this year, 40 games with the Rangers, nine points. Uh, and I know some people might look at the power play as well and, and say, well, you know, he doesn't get any time on the power play. Valid point. But look at the Ranger power play right now, or look at the Ranger power play even in recent seasons. I mean, who do you want to take off of either of those two units? I would love to see uh, the reaction on Ranger Twitter if one day Gallant just decided to like take Capo Caco off the second unit and just put Gautier there. Uh, I'm sure all of us collectively would handle, handle that very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been cool to see him get a chance there, but he was too far down the pecking order. And I don't think there's anyone, you know, currently on the Ranger uh, two power play units that I would remove and put Gautier there. And even if I was going to remove one of those 10 players, there's probably other guys I'd go to before Gautier as far as giving them a chance uh, on the power play unit. Uh, the one thing I will say in Gautier's defense here, though, as far as like opportunities are concerned, is it did kind of feel 
Like, and this is true when Quinn was the coach. It, it's true now with uh, with Gallant as the coach. It feels like basically everybody, every forward who's played for the Rangers in the past four or five seasons, or however far you want to go back, sooner or later has gotten an opportunity, at least in terms of right wingers. Every single right winger in the past four or five seasons has gotten an opportunity to play fairly significant top six minutes. And I wrote down a list of players here as far as guys that we've seen in the top six this year and in previous years. There's more than just these, but these were just off the top of my head. Uh, Krasov got to play there this year. Jimmy Vesey, he's playing there right now. He's on the top line with uh, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Uh, Barclay Goodrow's gotten some run in the top six. Dryden Hunt played a good chunk of games in the top six with the Rangers last season. Uh, Simi Blay was on the Ranger top line. Now, I think that only happened in the preseason this year. I don't remember them doing that in the regular season. But yes, in a preseason game, uh, Simi Blay was on the Ranger top line with with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. And then in other years, uh, three names off the top of my head. Jesper Foss, he played on the Panarin line for a while, as did Colin Blackwell, as did Phil DiGiuseppe. Excuse me, let's try that again. As did Phil DiGiuseppe. I kind of forgot about Phil DiGiuseppe for a while, but then the Rangers played the Canucks the other night, and I'm like, oh yeah, Phil, Phil's still kicking around, and uh, that's cool to see. I, I like DiGiuseppe. He did a decent job when he was here. Just one of those things where the upside was really limited. But you get the idea. Everybody except for Gautier got a chance to play in the top six if they're able to play right wing. And at a certain point, it's kind of just like, you know, we're the Rangers, and we, we've tried every line combination we can pro- possibly think of. Can we just give Gautier a game or two there? Now, every once in a great blue moon, the Rangers would do that. But I don't think there's been a season since Gautier has been here where he has played more than, say, three games in the top six. And I'm not sure he's ever even played three games in the top six. Every once in a blue moon, you'll see him penciled into you know the Panarin line on the right wing there. But half the time then, he doesn't even make it through the game there anyway. And they replace him and drop him down the lineup. Or uh, even if they don't do that, he won't be back out there for the next game. So uh, in that regard, I would have liked to have seen him get a little bit more opportunity. He got a ton of games, but he was always or pretty much always in the bottom six. Um, And when you consider the fact that they gave everybody, 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 a chance in the top six on the right wing, but not Gautier, I I think you could have thrown him a bone there and given him a game or two in the top six, uh, preferably on the right wing there, on the second line, because that's a spot where there's been just a complete revolving door for about four or five years now. But they didn't do it. Um, And as far as, you know, him not being in that role, not being in the top six— so they all say in Gautier's favor, I thought he did a decent job uh, this season of kind of altering his game just a little bit and adjusting to kind of being a fourth liner. I mean, you look at him and, and nothing really screams fourth liner, but he does play with a little bit more physicality now than I think he did in previous years with the New York Rangers. And I think he's to be credited for that. I mean, on one hand, it's probably self-preservation, just being willing to do anything you can do to get yourself into the lineup. So I get that. But uh, give him props for at least, you know, playing a little bit more physical and and looking like a little bit more of a fourth liner. Uh, The good news uh, for Gautier, I mean, first of all, the good news is that he got traded and he had requested a trade in the offseason. But the good news for him is that right now he is listed as the third line right winger for the Senators. He's out there uh, with Matthew Joseph on the left wing and Ridley Gregg at center. Uh, He's also listed on the second power play unit. And for anybody who might be wondering, Gautier's first game with the Senators, they lost to the Bruins. Uh, Gautier was a minus one, had two shots, two hits, and 9.57 of time on the ice. Also seven seconds of power play time. So uh, we'll see if he's truly on the second power play unit or not. But the bottom line, there's no ill will here. I don't think that Gautier's scuffling with the Rangers or his lack of ice time, it was ever for a lack of effort or uh, not caring or a lack of toughness even. It was never any of those things. Sometimes certain things just don't work out. And bottom line is there's a lot of players who 
are not going to be with the same team for their entire career. And in fact, Gauthier had five games with the Canes before he ever even came to the Rangers. So technically, he's on his third team now. But I hope he does a great job for the Senators. You know, the Senators are one of those teams that's kind of been downtrodden. Sooner or later, they need a trade like this to work out. They need to buy low on somebody and unlock uh, something that the other teams that have had him have not been able to unlock. I mean, I could do without seeing Julian Gauthier becoming like a 70-point-per-season player, but I do wish him the best. And I think it's a trade that made a lot of sense for both teams. We'll see if the uh, Senators try to lock him up long-term at the end of this season. But uh as far as the Rangers, you know, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, another first-round pick that they couldn't develop. The one reason why this hurts a little bit less is because the Rangers didn't draft Gautier. They brought him in from the Canes. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's another first-rounder that they didn't develop, but he wasn't really their guy in the first place. And I, I think they always knew that, you know, he was going to be a little bit of a pep project. And I suppose in some ways he still is a little bit of a pep project. And he's on his way to Ottawa now. And like I said, all the best to Julian Gautier. At the very least, uh, at least he's not in the Metro Division. He's not going to end up on, hopefully, the Penguins or the Islanders and haunt the Rangers forever. Uh, he's on the Senators and uh, wishing him all the best. But I figure in just a second, we'll uh, wrap up today's episode. This is something that I like to do anytime the Rangers strike a trade, big trade, small trade, whatever it might be. Uh, we'll do a segment called Winners and Losers. Going to discuss the biggest winners and losers uh, from the Gautier Vermont trade. And we will do that in just a second. All right, so we'll start with uh, the losers from this trade. And the first one I'm going to throw out there is going to be Jake LeCision. Now, at first glance, you might look at that and say, like, well, you know, the Rangers traded uh, Gautier for Mott. That's a fourth-line winger for a fourth-line winger. And so LeCision may not be affected by that. Um, but this move here, Gautier for Mott, it leaves the Rangers with enough cap space and enough wiggle room to do something else. And I think there's a pretty good chance that you're going to see the Rangers bring in uh, a fourth-line center, somebody that they really feel comfortable with there. Decision has shown not really a whole lot. I mean, you guys let me know if I'm missing something, but uh, to me, he's one of the more uh, invisible Rangers that, in recent memory that I that I can recall. I mean, I, it's nothing against Decision. I have nothing against him. Uh, he was a former, I want to say, second-round draft pick. I would have to look that up to know for sure. Um, just hasn't been able to put it all together, and uh, we'll see what happens here. But um, I, I do think the Rangers are going to be looking for an upgrade there. And once again, had the Rangers used up their remaining cap space, then that would be good news for LeCision because he might still have a chance to be the fourth-line center when playoffs roll around. As it is right now, though, the Rangers can afford to bring in uh, somebody else, and I think they will do that, and you'll see LeCision uh, squeezed out of this lineup. Uh, another loser of this trade, I'm going to say is Kraftsoff. You could actually make the argument that he's a winner, and I'll explain why in just a second. But I think he's a loser from this because uh, it's somewhat believable that Kravtsov could have eventually possibly worked his way back into this Ranger lineup by squeezing Julian Gauthier out of the lineup. That's not going to happen with Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott is not going to be a healthy scratch to put Vitaly Kravtsov into the lineup. Um, that's especially true when you consider the fact that the Rangers just traded for Tyler Mott, so clearly they value him. And... Even more true when you consider, you know, all the—basically everything. Everything that's happened between uh, the Rangers and Krasov since they drafted him. There's no way that um, Tyler Mott is going to watch from the press box so that Vitaly Krasov can get back onto the ice. If Gautier was still here and the trade had never happened, I think it's at least possible that you could see Krasov get another chance uh, in place of Gautier. But it ain't going to happen now uh, that the Rangers have Tyler Mott there. So uh, Krasov, one of the losers. But you could also say he's a winner because it seems more and more likely that he's going to be traded, which is apparently what he wants. And maybe when the Rangers do bring in that fourth-line center, 
maybe Kravtsov is a part of that as well. But we're just going to have to uh, wait and see there. I mean, that that's... It's a little bit rough saying that out loud. You know, Vitaly Kravtsov taking number nine overall by the Rangers. You're going to give him up for a fourth-line center. I mean, maybe the Rangers would also get like a second or third-round draft pick as well. But, you know, Kravtsov's value isn't exactly sky-high right now, given everything that's happened uh, thus far in his NHL career. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And uh, if and when Kravtsov is inevitably uh, traded here heading into the deadline, which is now just a couple of weeks away. Uh, another loser from this, I'm actually going to say Will Cooley. It's not something that's going to prevent Cooley from ever becoming, you know, a great player for the Rangers. He could still very well do that. But we saw Cooley get to play in a couple of games with the Rangers earlier this season. He was eventually sent back down to the AHL. I think with Mott now in the fold, it makes a call-up of Will Cooley a little bit less likely. It's a similar situation as with Kravtsov. Neither Kravtsov nor Cooley is going to get into the lineup over Tyler Mott. And as far as what happens with Cooley, it could go a bunch of different ways. You know, he could still end up getting traded, um, he could end up, you know, possibly making the opening night roster next season. We'll see what happens. Although I will say this with Cooley, I think he's a lot less likely to be traded now than he was when the Rangers were uh, big game hunting in trade talks. The Rangers already got their, their big, you know, perennial all-star type player in Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, I know there's some people that are still holding out hope from Patrick Kane. I don't think it's going to happen, although it is not impossible. Uh, and a trade for Patrick Kane I think the Rangers would move Will Cooley. Uh, other than that, I don't think Will Cooley is uh, is going to get traded. I, I, I don't think he will. I don't think he'll give up Will Cooley for a fourth-line center. So I think Cooley's safe uh, in that regard. But a little bit of a loser from this trade just because uh, he's not going to replace Tyler Mott in the lineup and probably won't be called back up by the Rangers in general. Although, if they trade Krafts off, maybe you call up Will Cooley and he's your 13th four going, going into the future, and uh, we'll see. How about the winners, though? So... Let's start with the two guys that were involved in this trade. Tyler Mott gets to go back to a team that he knows and likes. I mean, I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, seemed to enjoy his time with the Rangers. He's got a bunch of old teammates that are still there, welcoming him back with open arms. Uh, he's got a chance to go to the playoffs, possibly win a Stanley Cup. So, yeah, Tyler Mott, a winner. Julian Gauthier, a winner. He got his wish. You know, he asked for a trade in the offseason. We saw this stuff where, you know, I used to joke that he had nine lives with the Rangers because they didn't protect him in the expansion draft. They protected Kevin Rooney instead, and then the Kraken took Colin Blackwell. So Gautier was still here after all that. Um, Gautier was placed on waivers a little bit earlier this season, cleared waivers, went down to the Wolfpack, came back up with the Rangers, um, and a couple of trade requests too. So uh, nine lives with the Rangers, but the clock finally struck midnight. But again, he should have a bigger role with Ottawa, get a chance to see what he can do, possibly sign an extension with them. He's got to be in a top nine role, or he'll at least be given the chance for that, it would seem. And... Right now, if uh, Daily Faceoff is to be believed, uh, he'll have a chance on the second power play unit there as well, and he never would have gotten that opportunity with the Rangers. So Gautier, also a winner. I'm going to say uh, the Ranger PK, a big winner of this as well. Ranger PK right now just number 14 in the NHL, so only slightly above average. They have killed off 83.8%. Uh, Mott certainly helped in that area last year. I think he will once again this season. We didn't get a chance to see Mott on the PK, uh, during his re-debut with the New York Rangers because uh, the Jets only got one power play and they converted on it in just 35 seconds. So uh, only two Ranger forwards even saw the ice, but I get the feeling uh, we'll see a good amount of Tyler Mott in that role, uh, certainly down the stretch here and uh, hopefully into the postseason as well. Another winner, Chris Drury. It's another solid move here that I didn't see too many people complaining about. I mean, 
Maybe there were some Ranger fans that, oh, I would have preferred this guy or I would have preferred that guy, but nobody's really mad about this. It's tough to get universal approval from Ranger fans, and I think that's especially true when you're in kind of an authority role. You're the GM, the owner, uh, the coach. You know, Gerard Gallant hears it from Ranger fans all the time on Twitter. Not that he's, you know, checking his timeline and, and reading all that, but you know how it is on Twitter. People get mad at Gerard Gallant. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jury, he's doesn't have a 100% approval rating for Ranger fans, but uh, he is winning more and more fans over with every move that he makes, or that's what it seems like at least. I mean, people love the Tarasenko trade, and they seem to be on board with this one as well. So Chris Drury, another solid move, putting together uh, what is hopefully a championship-caliber roster here. Another winner, uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to say Barclay Goodrow because, you know, Goodrow, we, we've talked about how he moves up, down, left, right, backwards, forwards, all over the lineup. Um, if he ends up on the fourth line in the playoffs, which seems possible, Tyler Mott might be his best line mate that he's played with, you know, all season. And I say that with apologies to Jimmy Vesey because they've played together and uh, Vesey's had a nice season for himself as well. Uh, but Vesey, you know, if the Rangers don't make any other moves or add anybody to the top six, it's possible Vesey could still be in a top six role going into the postseason. So Goodrow, instead of playing with like, you know, some combination of Carpenter or, or Hunt or Reeves, or LeCision, uh, he'll be out there with Tyler Mott on the fourth line in the playoffs, and uh, that, that's a formidable duo there. That's two really good defensive forwards, two guys that are going to drive opponents crazy. We'll see who the third man ends up being there on the fourth line in the playoffs, but uh, I think Barkley Goodrow gets a win there. He, he gets a little bit more to work with if he's going to be on the fourth line in the playoffs because Tyler Mott very likely to be there with him. Uh, so I, I figure we could pretty much call it there. Uh, we will uh, certainly figure out what we're going to do in tomorrow's episode. We'll have an episode Thursday during the day. And then, of course, the Rangers are going to be back in action at night against the Detroit Red Wings. So we'll talk about that game on Friday. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, there's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.